Okay, it's 3 o'clock, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I want to thank you guys for joining us. We are in the Launch Strong in Any Area panel, so if you're looking for another app session, I'm sorry you didn't choose the right one, but you're in a better one, okay? Amen. And so uh, we're in here, Launch Strong Any Area. So this is uh, kind of in our theme, our thread, our stream, whatever you want to call it, of church planning app sessions. We have three. Uh, we just did one uh, right before you guys called Why Launch with Arc. And then we're going to do another one this kind of thread tomorrow, the same time, same bat time, same bat place uh, right here. Actually, different bat time, 1.30, not 3 o'clock, right here. And it's going to be on um, what to do after you launch. I've launched, now what? So we're going to kind of walk you through after you launch a church, what are some of the first steps you're going to do. And my beautiful wife, Amy's going to host that. Amy, why don't you stand up, wave everybody, say hi to Amy. <laughs> So that's Amy. My name is Josh. We work on the launch team at ARC. My wife and I, we oversee the training process that church planners go through. And so uh, any church planners in here that launch with ARC that are in the crowd? Nobody? Good. Okay, one. Will. There we go. All right, got a few up here. So uh, so if you do want to launch a church with ARC, you would meet my wife first. And then after you get through the application process, you would hang out with me as we go through the training. It's a really, really fun time. And it's just a real honor uh, to be able to represent our team here in front of you guys and just spend uh, about an hour with you hanging out talking about church plans. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So uh, we have some great church planners, some great leaders up here. We have Paul and Andrew right here and from New York City Liberty Church. we got James and Nisi Hill in Laurel, Mississippi. Come on now. Downtown Laurel representing. And uh, Jason and Jennifer Laird are here with us from the West Coast. Some call it the best coast. Others call it the left coast. So they're here. They're all going to share with you. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to take a second and talk a little bit about ARC and our launch process. So in ARC, we have a launch strong type of model. So that model is a model of church planning where um, whenever you're building up to launch, you don't start with a Bible study, but instead you start with a big service on Sunday. And so what we do is we put a lot of resources up front to make sure it's right, make sure it's excellent, make sure it's a good experience. And then from there, we found that there's a lot of sustainability. So it is a launch strong model. And there's four steps that we have for people to come through and launch in that model. The first is discover. Once you guys be able to go online, find out more about ARC, find out if ARC's a good fit for you. If you do feel like it is and you're going to apply, and then join our training process, which is the second part. If you're approved to move into the training process, we have an intensive. It's a three-day event where you'll come in, and instead of um, sitting in a classroom style where you're just hearing a teacher or a session speaker teach like you would at a conference like this, you'll actually sit at a round table with the world-class leaders like these guys up here, and they'll walk through a launch plan with you to help you launch your church. And after that, we go into coaching, and that's where you have a relationship with a coach, walking you through the model. You can call them, uh, get some feedback from them. Then you actually do the thing that you want to do, which is launch. That's the final thing. And the great thing about ARC is if you launch with us, you're approved in our process, we will give you money. We give you free money to launch your church, okay? And, that, and we don't mind you coming uh, to us if that's, if, that's your, if that's your number one reason, but we do believe after you meet us, you'll stay around for the relationship and uh, hopefully get what I call some ribs, some relationships, inspiration, and best practices. Come on now. I mean, I used to be a youth pastor. Okay, there we go. Uh, so anyway, so that's a little bit about, yeah, and, and you always call Jen your rib too, which I like that. That's like one of the coolest husband-wife nicknames of all time. But now it's out. Everyone's going to steal it from me. There you go. My rib. And then you got good ribs in Birmingham. We got um, Dreamland Barbecue. Anyone had some Dreamland yet? Come on. I like Saul's. Saul's is my favorite. But anyway, yeah, there we go. But let's get back on track here. So that's, that's kind of our model. That's what we do to launch churches. And you can find out more about that. Just go to arcchurches.com. Click this button called Start a Church. It'll take you from there, okay? So with, not, with uh, no further ado or 
no further wait, or what is the word? Is it ado? Without further ado. Further ado. Okay, with no further ado, <laughs> I want to um, turn it over to uh, Paul Andrew here and just let him take a second and uh, actually Paul and Andy Andrew via video and just tell us a little bit about uh, where you guys are. Um, tell us about um, your church. Take about 15 minutes and we're just going to work our way down the panel and let you guys hear about your areas. One, two, three, go. How's everybody doing? You good? good. I'm excited that you're in this room because that I think probably means there's a dream burning in your heart and you're trying to work out how do we do what God's calling us to do and do it in a way that's going to be strong and it's going to be built to last and have the impact that, that it's supposed to have. And so uh, my wife, Andy, and I, she couldn't be here today. She uh, already had too many commitments um, uh, this month. So we, we actually we filmed a little video. So she's going to do her part. She's joining us uh, via the TV in a minute. Uh, but we, uh, we connected up with the ARC when we moved from uh, Sydney, Australia. She's originally from Spokane, Washington. Uh, we met and married in Australia. She lived there 10 years, had our first, first three kids were all born in Australia. We had one more since moving to New York. And we really, I mean, we're so grateful for the ark. <clears throat> I don't know where we would have been, to be honest. I came out of a great church, a really significant church, but it, the context of it and the momentum of it meant I didn't know much about church planting. Well, it's Hillsong Church, you might have heard of it. Uh, that was my home church for 20 years, little church with a big dream. And, uh, <laughs> but the truth is, like, I needed the ark because although, it's an, I mean, I, I know what I know today about leadership, about culture, all kinds of things because of those years um, sitting under Pastor Brian and part of an amazing church. But frankly, I didn't know anything much about church planting when it wasn't Hillsong. And so I was like, you know, people were like, Polinetti who? Liberty what? It's like, you know, there was no recognition. It's like, how are we going to do this? And so thank God for the ark. Um, and so we connected up with the ark, did the training. Um, and we, uh, so we moved in 2010. And we launched, this is not the way they train you to do it, and there's a good reason why, but we did launch six months later. It was like taking off on an aircraft carrier, it was like, you know, and it's like, and then, and then you know, we're like, in a few months from now, we'll either be flying or drowning. There was like really no in between. It was like all or nothing. We went all in, and by the grace of God, um, and some relationship, which that's why we say don't do life, don't do ministry alone, is because I thank God I had people I could call like, what am I doing? How do I approach this? And, uh, and so we got underway. So we, uh, in the years since, have planted multiple times with the help of the ark. So we won church with multiple communities. We have five in New York right now. Um, and a couple outside, one in San Francisco, one in uh, St. Pete, Florida, and one in Manzini in Swaziland in Southern Africa that are just things that have come out of us deciding to be a church planting church. And no, it wasn't all in a strategic plan somewhere. In fact, true story, when our, one of the guys that went out from us from New York to plant in St. Pete, Florida emailed me about it. The subject said Liberty Church, St. Petersburg, and I thought they meant Russia. I'm Australian. I literally didn't even know there was a St. Petersburg in the United States. And so that's how much this has been a partnership between you know, casting vision and at the same time just walking with the Holy Spirit uh, and planting together. So each time we've planted, um, you know, we've planted with the help of the ark. Even our, even Lou and Zinti, a Zimbabwean and, Z and Zambian couple that pastor our community in Manzini, came through the ark training. That's how much we believe in it. And I guess I've probably taught it enough times now um, that I could teach our own team, but we just believe in the power of, of community together. And so, it, you know, it's, it's been a, an amazing adventure. Um, 
Certainly it's an intimidating uh, place to plant a church, but I'm pretty well convinced that there's nowhere easy to plant a church, right? Everywhere, I think there's a part of us that tries to tell yourself, like, well, if I was where they are, if I had, you know, the money they raised, or if I had that worship leader, um, then we imagine it would be easier. But the truth is, I think, like, the, the place of favor and blessing for you is wherever God's called you. Yes. And that's what we've found. Because we're like... It's like breathtakingly expensive in New York. There's all kinds of like really good reasons why people don't plant churches um, there, it turns out. Um, but when God's in it, God's in it. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or painless, um, but it's been, a, it's been an adventure. You know, we got 9 million people in New York City proper, about 20 million in the New York City area. We have every tribe and tongue in our church. So when people are like, you know, how did you create diversity in your church? Like, well... I feel it's like funny. It's a funny question for me because it's like, I, I would wonder how do you create a monoculture in your church if you're in a place like New York? It's like, I feel like you have to do something wrong, right? To end up with one thing in a place that is everything, people from everywhere. And, uh, and so the spiritual you know, climate is, uh, is different maybe to other parts of the country. But what I love, and I'll say this, in walking with the ark, because um, of course we connected to lots of pastors in the Northeast who are like wondering about the ark and and then thinking, but wait, would it work here, right? Which is what probably everyone wonders. Uh, but, you know, I've had the privilege of working with the ARC Canada team, the ARC Netherlands team, the ARC Australia team, and see the same principles. They might come out looking a little different, different skin, different method, different style, but different practices maybe, but the principles I really believe are universal. Um, one thing I want to say before I, I get my wife to join us by a video for a second is I just, and I said it in the main session if you were in there, is I just think we got to, this is my little pitch for cities, we got to press into God's heart for cities. Yeah. I think we really do. I think sometimes as church planters, we, we run all kinds of filters on where God's calling me and I get it, I, I get it. But I want to, if, if God's calling you to a city, I want you to not discount yourself just because it's going to be harder, maybe, yeah. or more expensive, or you got to work out what does the white picket fence dream look like in the context of an apartment or, or whatever <laughs> might be the sacrifice. Because the truth is cities change the world. And that's our thing is like we want to influence a city that influences the world. That's the vision that, that drives me is like, because whatever, good or bad, the things that come out of New York impact our nation. And the things good or bad that come out of our nation impact the world. And that's, that's not to discount. I mean, everywhere needs a, needs a church. So I'm not against anything else. But if you're dreaming about planting in a city, can I encourage you that you might never know the generational or the ripple effect impact that you could have from a city in a place where for us, as much as 30 or 40% of our church churns every year that leaves the city and goes some other place. Makes it a challenging place to build, but it means we can touch the nations by just discipling people and then sowing them to the earth. Yeah. So, so my wife, she so wishes she could be here, but she filmed a little video because she wanted to speak to like one of the keys about launching strong, regardless of your context today. And, and what's cool about this group of us is we represent different contexts, right? So we're not about one thing at the ARC. But, you know, I think what, one thing all of us face is the importance of building a strong team. And so Andy wants to send her greetings and, and chat a little bit about that. Hey everybody, I hope you're having a good time at Art Conference. I'm having a good time at home with my babies. I'm about to step into a bit of a heavy travel season, so Paul and I decided that'd be good if I was just here on the ground, and I'm glad he can be there with you in person. I hope this session is going well, and I'm totally honored that I still get to be a part of it, even via video. So here's what I wanted to talk about in the session that we have here is, um, how did I go about, how did we go about building a launch team? I wanna give you two simple things that we did. Of course, there was many things that you pick up 
along the way as you learn your city and figure out what works best there. But for us, we moved into a city where really it was only my husband and I and our three kids. We didn't know anybody. And so how did we gather people? Obviously, we had a website where if there's anybody Googling new church in the city, they could find us. But then when they did, it was a very super simple website. And we talked about two things. We talked about family dinners and coffee on us. Our family dinners were amazing. And it was just this idea that we came up where we would open up our home for anyone that we met. It was every Sunday night that we had family dinners. So, you know, maybe you met someone on the street and they, you got talking about why you live in the city. And we were just able to say, why don't you come over for dinner? And I kid you not, almost every other week it was pasta or tacos because that's what I can make in bulk. And obviously chocolate chip cookies. That's how we finished it off. I'm pretty sure that's why people stayed at our church. I'm just letting you know. But, um, you know, we, we had family dinners. And what was so great about that is it was just casual. We'd hang out. We didn't do a Bible study or anything, but people were really just getting to know us and our family. And a lot of people would walk out of the doors and go, I love this church. We hadn't even started gathering on Sundays, but what they were falling in love with was the ecclesia, the gathering of the people, the gathering of Jesus's followers together in a home, breaking bread together, Acts chapter two. So we just started there and it was really simple. And out of that, um, we also started having obviously our launch team meetings. But another thing that we did was um, we had coffee on us. And so that was on our website. And if anyone just wanted to sit and have coffee with us, we did. We sat with them. Even my sister-in-law, I kid you not, was one of the first coffee on us that we did. She's my sister-in-law now. She was not then. She had just gotten back from this amazing tour that she had gone on and came back home and was looking for a church. And we sat and had coffee together. And then she married my brother a couple of years later. So you just never know what's going to come out of coffee on us. But she was an amazing part of our launch team. So we gathered all of those people and then had them go to our launch team meeting. So we just needed to create a space in a city that felt lonely, um, where even though there's people everywhere, people needed community. They needed family. They needed a hot meal. Um, maybe they couldn't afford one. They'd come to your house. They were pumped. Even if they didn't come to your church, they're like, I'm coming for food. So um, that was those were the two things that we did. Um, Paul may want to bounce off those more after I get off of the video, but I wanted to touch base on those. The other thing that I want to talk about is, you know, what were some of the unique challenges that we experienced planting in a major city? I mean, I think the thing is you can go through art training, but you never know until you're dropped into a scenario what it's actually going to be like. And contextual contextualization is actually key. I think the thing that we had to realize is we're not coming here to save New York City. We can we can come in very prideful if we're not careful, but we had to come in humbly to the city and learn the city. I'm still learning the city. I'm learning how it goes. Every tribe and tongue lives here, literally. Every tribe and tongue. And so we had to learn the voices and the dialects and the different ways that people see God and view God. We came to join in the amazing work that's already being done in the city. We didn't come to be like, hey, look at us. We're like this new model, we're going to be amazing, we came alongside the work that was already being done. And contextualization really matters. I think, um, you know, one of the big things that I realized is that margin is a massive thing people don't have in the city. We live in a beautiful city, but um, margin is, is small. And so to ask people, hey, can you come and give us like a day a week or, you know, a couple of days a week where you volunteer, they look at you like you're crazy. They're like, are you going to pay my bills? Like, are you going to do that for me? So you realize that if people People come and give their time, the time is money for them. And so you have to create great value around volunteering, a volunteer culture. And a lot of things that would work um, in other you know, cities and suburbs, they don't work here. So you have to get creative and really care for your people well and understand that when they give you their time, it is pure gold. So really take care of them because everything is harder here. Getting to work is harder. Train delays are harder. People are mad at you, stepping on your feet. You know, you have a hard time. You have to walk in the snow, walk in the rain. You don't have a car to get into. So 
you really got to take care of your people. Margin matters. Pay attention to the spiritual atmospheres of the city as well. That was a big one that hit me like a ton of bricks. Once again, don't come in like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Feel it out. Get your intercessors together. Prayer matters. You got to tear some stuff down. That is very, very important. I could go on and on about that forever. But the last one that I want to leave you with as my time comes to a close is that diversity matters as well. That you can't just have one note in your church. It's really, really hard, but you got to make the table round. You got to listen and have hard conversations. We're in a time and a space where race matters, where diversity matters, where gathering every tribe and tongue matters. And that happens in cities. You can hear the sirens out there. You're welcome. Um, So (laughs) diversity really matters. Race, voice. Um, Cities are melding pots. We can't pretend that they're not. This is not, you won't build a homogenous church in a big city. And if you are, you actually need to ask yourself a question. What am I doing wrong here? Because we need to have every voice at the table in cities. You know, your church should look like heaven in the city. (laughs) And and I think that that's been a really confronting thing for us because we need to bring people in and love everyone well. My time is done. I could talk on and on, but I know that your time is money. Well, yes, I don't know. Either way, I'm going to give it back to my husband. I hope that this has helped you in some way. Maybe he can bounce off a few things if you have questions. But enjoy yourselves at our conference. Hug everyone for me. Bye. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think it was Muhammad Ali that said everyone has a plan till they get punched in the nose. <laughs> Mike, Tyson. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. There you go. So... Uh, that's kind of church planting. <laughs> there's like, there's a tension here where it's not to say don't have a plan, uh, but as Andy was talking about, like adaptivity and listening to your city, uh, uh, there's a tension. I feel like church planting all at once requires you to be like confident and full of faith and then crazy humble and teachable all at the same time. It's almost like you feel like you have a personality disorder because all at once you'd be crazy to do it without faith and conviction and vision. And then, and then yet if you're like in your little bubble, like we're going to die on this hill. Oftentimes I've seen in New York, sadly, many a church planter kind of bounce right off the windshield, so to speak, in terms of not being able to get traction because there was no, no part of them that was, had room for listening to the rhythm of the city to the need of the city, to wait long enough to feel people's pain and to contextualize what they've done from some other place uh, to meet the needs of the city. In fact, a good friend of mine, John Tyson, a a pastor in New York said to me, a couple of weeks into us arriving, he said, Paul, you just need to make your mind up whether you've come here to do church in New York or build a church to reach New Yorkers because they're not the same thing. And the set, you know, like that idea of like building a church to reach the city is a different thing. Like I just don't, like one of the phrases we use a lot is we don't just want to be in a city. We want to be for a city. Like, cause you can be in a city, right? Where we just, we set up, we tear down, but our connection to the city is the few hours that we're doing church. And then we retreat to wherever we are. Our thing is like, how do we, how do we sew ourselves into the fabric of the city and do something? Are we ready to learn our context and relearn? Every time I plant in a new neighborhood, every time, you know, planting in Manzini, do you think it's a copy and paste of New York? Wouldn't that be bizarre if we were doing a church in a context where, you know, people speak Saswati? If we just like try to somehow just copy and paste what we're doing in New York. But it's got our vision and values, but it's like learning the context again. Johnny, give us a wave, Johnny, at the back here. He's believing to plant a Liberty Church in London next year. Do you think we're going to have to learn the context a little bit? People are like, oh, if you can plant in New York, you could plant anywhere. Well, that's, that's not actually right, I don't think. I mean, I, I know it's, it's hard and, people, and it's like, well, it's probably been good training for us. 
but you know, I sat with, when we, we launched a community in San Francisco, I sat with a local pastor there and had this whole conversation. And at the end, he said, you know, the, my favorite thing out of everything you said, I said, no. He said, he said, I liked it when you said, I don't know what I don't know. And I think that's the place all of us have got to be, not from a place of like fear or doubting the call of God on our lives, but like ready to learn. Yeah. One of the questions, one of the sort of premises behind this sort of session was like, what's launching strong? And I, and I said to Josh, with permission, I also want to just throw a thought in there. Have you defined what strong is? So if we're going to launch strong, amen to that. But what does strong mean in the context that God's calling you to? Now, this is not to like, you know, bring your vision down or speak small, but it's like strong is, a, is kind of a relative thing in a way. So to, to us, like one of the questions that we're always running is like, because if strong, for instance, if strong to you means you're, regardless of your context, what kind of place you're in, you know, how Christian your environment is or the size of your launch, if you're like comparing yourself to the outlier, like most mega arc launch ever, and then you're devastated on launch Sunday, we only had 200 people. It's like, okay, that's a bummer. Like, stop for a minute, stop. Because, like, that's something that ought to be celebrated, amen? And so to us, we're looking at, like, how do we launch sustainably? Even in Manzini, we're talking with our team, like, what percentage of the giving is coming from the local community there? Like, how do we make them strong? How do we set them up to be on their own two feet? That's, for me, a part of what it means to launch strong in any in any context. Not just, like, the, our whole goal isn't just to, you know, launch a... A church where it's like we're going to pull a bunch of people out of other churches because our church is more contemporary than the church down the road. It's like, you know, I get it. Like some of that happens. and But that's not the goal of church planning. Surely the thing we're trying to do here is not migrate Christians around like a, a net nil-sum game for the kingdom where a bunch of Christians move from here to there. Surely the thing we're all trying to do is to reach people that aren't being reached, right? And that, I think, takes a little bit of us learning the city. One other thing I'll say, and I, I'm conscious of time, is... um. Don't cut corners. If you launch with the ark, I, I've, I've had the privilege of coaching quite a lot of planters, particularly in urban environments or the Northeast or whatever. And the one thing I think is hard is that sometimes we're tempted to like half do the ark. And my encouragement from like watching people do that in real time, by all means, adapt, by all means, synthesize the principles, by all means, contextualize, but just don't water it down. Like don't like half commit to launching strong, but then slash your marketing budget because you're freaked out or like don't like if you're going to if you're going to commit to launching strong, like to me, that's like a commitment of faith. It's like we're going to we're going to do this and we're going to see this church thrive. Good. Helpful. All right. That was amazing. That was very good. Uh, Let me. I don't think there's anything left for us to say. You guys Uh, are crushing it. Let me refresh the menu, then I'm going to let you guys jump in and, and uh, take us home. Uh, just want to refresh the menu for you guys, what, what we have here today. So when we were setting up this session, Launch Strong in any area, we wanted to have representation from all over the map of the U.S., as well as different uh, types of religious cultures and city sizes. But what we ended up landing with is we, we could have actually had a panel of seven people, but then you'd hear from each of them for about two and a half minutes. And how I many know you know, we could listen to Paul just the rest of the time. And the same goes for James and Nisi and Jason and Jennifer. Uh, so what we do is say, hey, we're just going to do three. And since the ARC model is pretty much established suburban, we got this, okay? Suburban areas, we got this. We landed with three people mm-hmm. in city centers. So you hear someone say they're launching a church in San Francisco. Jason and Jennifer actually are in San Francisco, right. you know? And that t- that we, we hear San Francisco, but it could be like a two-hour range around San Francisco, you know, is what they're calling to. They're in the city. There's uh, so many posers. Yeah, they're they're posers. Like, <laughs> they live like eight hours away. They're like, you know, I'm in 
San Francisco. Like, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't even see San Francisco. But they matter. <laughs> so, uh, in, you know, Jason is, uh, Jason is in San Francisco. James and Nisi are in a city uh, center in uh, the deep south. In a, in, I call it a big town, not a small town. You know, big town. And then... Uh, and Paul, you know, he, he sits under the Statue of Liberty to read his Bible every morning before going to work. So, uh, so it, it is a little bit of a, of an urban bent here today, but it, we got, we got East Coast, we're going to hear Deep South, and we're going to hear from Jason, and uh, we got plenty of time for you guys to continue to go 15 minutes, and we're saving, we're saving the best for last. I know, you know, Jason and Jennifer are going to tear it up, but right now we got the two best looking up here, James and Nisi. They're going to jump in and talk about uh, their church. So tell us what it's like, uh, you know, in the Deep South, Launching yeah. a church, how the model works. Go for it. And sponsored by Buffalo Rock Ginger Ale. A Birmingham treat. That's a great Birmingham beverage. That's one of my favorite things about coming is, is going by live design and grabbing one of those and, and having it just, just mess with me. Well, we're with James and Nisi Hill, and uh, uh, we're in Laurel, Mississippi. Laurel's about 17,000 people. And so um, my family was was uh, all there. I was the first generation of my family that wasn't born there. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, which we all know is right underneath Bethlehem. And so uh, we uh, just uh, so uh, um, I got called back. We moved to California, and that's where I met my wife. And and then the Lord called us back in 2010 to to plant the church there. So um, Ark did did me a huge favor. They uh, they gave me Craig Grishel as my launch coach, and so I didn't quite know who he was. I knew I knew, I knew the book. So here we are in Laurel, Mississippi, and so he's calling, and and you know, and and, and he sounds on the phone just like he does on the video. So very deliberate, very. James, you know, and I was, you know, so he was, but very, very personal. And so um, didn't really know what that was about, but we launched. And so we launched in on Easter Sunday, 2010, probably things they tell you not to do now. And, uh, and, and we launched, we launched with 55 people at our first Sunday yeah. in Laurel, Mississippi. I know, I know. Listen, to, listen, to huge, listen to all that applause. See, that's how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So let me help you out. So not only do you get to launch at 55, so I remember I first thing they was I went, we worked really, really hard in Laurel. Um, 11 heroes who I called were college, I was a college pastor, 11 of my college students moved with me from sunny, beautiful land, California, like right on the ocean, to come and give me two and a half years to plant in Laurel. I call them heroes. Their names are actually on the on the doors of our building right now because I wanted to let them know you changed the whole city by giving your life. And so so we um, we launched there. And so um, I walked up and my cousin next to has had usher and I walked up and at the end I'd done my message and looked at him. I said, man, we have 55 people here. And he said, I know. Can you believe that? And I was going to shut up. You know, I had to. So. So then that evening, Sunday evening, Craig calls. He said, hey, you know, how'd it go? I was like, oh, it's good. It was good. It was good. And so how'd you do number-wise? So I was like, yeah, we had, we had 55. And, and, uh, and he said, really? He said, uh, he said, are you okay? And I was like, uh, I said, I just, you know, I said, I guess. I said, I just feel like we worked really hard. Like, we worked to have, like, you know, 500, you know, but we got 55, a tithe, I guess. And so... <laughs> And then <laughs> Craig, Craig said to me, he goes, uh, he said, James, it's better that you launch with the right 55 than the wrong 400. Wow. Yeah. And I said, why don't you shut up speaking to 20,000 people? Why don't you leave me alone? <laughs> I want to talk to you. And so that was honestly what I did want to say. And so 
but I'll tell you, um, it took me years, years, literally six of them, because the number became my thing. But we say this, we pastor a city, we don't just pastor a church. Wow. And we didn't, so, so here's the context where, uh, you know, where, where, where New York influences the world. We moved to Laurel to impact Laurel and Jones County. And um, so when you had high teen pregnancy rates, when you had the, the lowest uh, as far as education, we came there to have an impact right there. And that, that's where, and, and from there, if God chooses to multiply it from there, but, but we came to take care of that place right there. And that is a significant work. So I started looking at 55 people, and it took me six years to look at it. So we, Laurel is 17,000 people. We launched at 55. So that's, that's 0.3%, like just, you know, just so significant. Um, but then you start looking. So it took that 0.3%. So in, in Corvallis, Oregon, with 54,000 people, that would be launching, uh, you know, actually Jackson, Mississippi, our, our capital, with 169,000 people. If you launched with 0.3%, that'd be launching with 507 people. If you went Lincoln, Nebraska at 0.3%, that'd be launching with 717 people. And if you went to St. Louis, Missouri, which we again know is right below Bethlehem, 340,000 people, you'd be launching with 1,020. So here's the thing. You can look at all those numbers, and if you aren't anything before that number, you ain't going to be anything without it. You know, and so, so, so the call, and here's the thing, like when we start registering like where you're going, there was a culture in church planning. It's my one opportunity, so I'm just going to say it. And then if you don't ever want to hear from me again, you don't ever have to listen to this black man ever again. But what gets me is when we start choosing how, where we plant by, like, the, the, the per capita income. You know, let me tell you, if you really get planted somewhere, you better be called because the devil's going to come with his foot for your behind, and you got to get up one more time, then he punches you in the face. And so I just see, like, when did we start choosing by, like, wealth? I thought we chose by calling. And so I, I just encourage you, just make sure you're called. Whether you use ARC or whoever else, you better be called to go there because you will get tested. I mean, in ways we never thought we'd be tested. And I'm, and I'm talking where newspapers lied on us, told us, you know, said we had filed for divorce. I mean, you think this is national inquiries and we're, we don't even matter. And, and, like, why, why is this even happening with us? And so, um, you know, my, my mother dies and, and, and it just, just things that just absolutely hit you so hard. Uh, and so you got to get back up because you're called because when nobody's around and they can't understand, you got to call on that call and go, I don't care how much hell comes. Yeah. I'm called to be here. Yeah. And so I'm not moving. So launch wise. So I, I moved 11 students with me. Um, I want to say this and, and, and he covers so much of it uh, ahead of time. Josh did it. I'm sorry. Paul did such a great job uh, covering it. But here's what I want to say. Don't just recruit good people. Recruit recruiters. Yeah. Don't just don't just get qualified people that can run your sound and do your stuff and get people to know how to throw a party. Get the ones that like people want to be around. Get get the ones yeah. Get get the ones that they got something about them that, that people want to be around. And if they're single, you pastor them so they don't they aren't you know they aren't you know messing with your church. Okay, you just so you just pass you just pastor them and don't act like. Let's just be honest. We know what happens. You know, church we get down in church too. Just because they love Jesus don't mean they don't like to. Get, so we need to make sure there's context. Just being straight. Just being straight. Right. Okay, yeah. So, 
So we want to make sure that, so you're passionate, but you need some party people, some people that actually know how to track people. Don't be afraid of them, um, but, but, but pastor them. And so help, help out in that way as well. Uh, Laurel is demographically, Laurel is 60% black, um, 40% white. Our county is the, the reserves, huh? In Mexican with my wife. My wife's half black and half Mexican, so I say I got the best of both worlds. Pinto beans and collard greens. Got them both. We say it. And I love it. Love it, love it. But um, our church is 60% white. And so people look like, wait, black pastor in the deep south with a, with a predominantly white church? Yeah, because that's what Jesus can do. Yeah. And so, so you have to decide, like, what, what side you're going to be on. Because if you want to keep, like, if you want to preach news, then, then can I just encourage you, please stop now. Like, don't, if your best sermon material comes from Fox or CNN or any of that, if that's what you're going to preach is the world's gospel, then please do the rest of us a favor. Please stop now. And, and don't, don't keep going through this process. But when you decide you're going to be sold out on the gospel, because the world doesn't need Fox. They, they, need, they need Jesus. I've never seen the unifying power of politics, but I've seen what Jesus can do with Samaritans, with Ethiopians, with black folks, with white people. I've seen what he can do with that. And that's what will change a whole city and, and community as well. Dear, I'm, I'm sorry. What you, you, <laughs> He talks all the time, so I, I, I just have a little bit to add, Josh. I know, I know you invited James, but I get to speak a little bit. Um, <laughs> One of the questions on here is how do, how do we use a small town dynamic to our advantage? Yeah. You know, we live in a, in a town of 17,000. One, one of the advantages that we have is we get to go talk to the mayor. I mean, we can go literally not have an appointment, go to City Hall and say, oh, we'd like to talk to you. Do you have a few minutes for us? And sit down and really get a chance to see what can we do? How can we meet a need in this community? Right. And, be surprised, and not be surprised when they start giving you a list. Matter of fact, that's, that's really how we got started. It's one of the things that we're known for in our community is we do, um, we used to be portable. We'd set up and tear down every Sunday. So we knew how to put up a screen. We knew how to project, you know, words, the, the lyrics on the screen. So we just started showing movies. We said, we're going to show movies out in the middle of a parking lot. We had 30 people show up. That was like half the size of our church. So we're like, this is good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, can I say over the course of the last seven years, we've done this now every year, uh, we've had 15 at uh, 1,500 to 2,000 to 2,500 people at a movie night, and it's free. And this is how we do outreach, because we can do outreach right in our own community. And, and it's something that we need it because we're not in a high-income um, area. We have a lot of, you know, people that struggle with, 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 you know, just meeting basic needs. And so when you, we can provide something that allows families to spend time together, can I say that's still a win? You know, yeah, you know we don't always have to present the gospel in a way that, they, you know, we're going to beat them over the head with the Bible. Because trust me, we're in, in the deep south. Everybody knows Jesus. Right. You know, so they, they want to see those. They want to see Jesus lived out, okay, because they've already been beaten over the head with the Bible, but they want to see people walking like Jesus. And so we can have, as church planners in a small city, have a very big impact um, with just little things. So we, one of the first things we did, um, we didn't have, we don't have Starbucks. Matter of fact, Starbucks is like 30 miles away. That's how small of a town it is. So we had to create some of those like third places that you all see in, in, in the churches now that we, you know, we, we ended up having a coffee shop because that was a way for us to get to know people in the community. So for the longest time, people just knew me as that lady at the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that was okay, you know, and then, um, but you know, they could come in and they have a safe place just to kind of get to know us because here we're from California and we're in the South. So clearly we must be criminals running from the law right. because no one would choose to move from California to Mississippi. 
Nobody, apparently. But so the, it was just one of those things. There, there's, there is amazing opportunities for, for, for church planners if you're looking to make an impact. Because uh, I know that the, the small town can't be overlooked. The majority of our churches are small are in small towns. And so we have that was one of the things we did learn through the ARC was just that small towns and, what, and churches in the small town, I mean, they really can change the world. And so we have been honored to be a part of that. Um, and then lastly, we were able to, and this is all, all part of it, we were able to renovate a building in our downtown area. When we moved there, it was blight. I mean, the windows were broken out. When we, we bought a building that had pigeons that were the last uh, tenants in it. So uh, we were able to renovate that building. Unbeknownst to us, that would be the catalyst of what was go- what's going on now. I don't know how many of you know, but there's been a national, there's a national TV show based out of Laurel, Mississippi. I mean, that is ridiculous. But, you know, it's just been amazing just to see how what a little bit of we just being faithful over what the little thing that God has given us. He's been so faithful to us. Very good. Thank you guys so much. Come on. Pinto beans and collard greens. I think I'd eat at that restaurant. I think I would. That'd be good. Yeah, it does, you know, and uh, so when we were putting this together, they asked me to, to put a list of potential people we could invite. They said, sky's the limit. You can ask anyone you wanted, and we got these wonderful people, but then I said, we got to add Jason and Jennifer Laird, who we were friends in Baton Rouge. Jason was a youth pastor in the same town that uh, my wife and I were youth pastors as well. We love them, and they've done such a tremendous job representing ARC themselves, the Lord, and I'm just so excited they're going to be here to share. So Jason and Jen, take away. you got about 15 minutes. Thank you so much. First, could we do this? Could we clap our hands for Josh Robry for putting this together? Thank you so much. And then um, one other thing, I would, I would be an idiot if I didn't do this because our, we couldn't start strong if it were not for some of the people that are in this room. And so I'm going to get uh, some of our team that's here that came from San Francisco to come be a part of ARC. Could you stand up really quick? Some of our, our team that's here, or wave at us to see some of these guys over here and uh, another guy over here. Thank you guys so much. Love you. Um, that's how we started strong. <laughs> No, uh, but Jennifer and I, we, you know, our background is uh, for probably 15 years, we were at a church called Healing Place Church, uh, where Pastor Dino Rizzo was a, the pastor there, and, and we grew up there and kind of got our chops in ministry and our our experience starting out there just serving, and then um, served as a youth and young adult pastors there, and then moved over to, to Dallas, and we're, we were at a church called Gateway Church there for about four, three and a half years. And, uh, and then God called us to San Francisco. And, uh, and so just to kind of give you a little bit of, uh, of the place where we planted at, uh, we, were, we were praying. And I love what you said about, like, just go where God has called you. Because we were praying about four different cities. Um, and, and honestly, I think we, we just were trying to talk ourselves out of going to San Francisco because it is, uh, if you looked in your little brochure, your little magazine, I think it's the number one churchless city in America. Uh, and they, they just, they don't really like church or God and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> who knew? <clears throat> it's a little bit different from Birmingham. But uh, <clears throat> but anyway, we try to talk ourselves out of going there. And uh, and honestly, it was, it was because... Um, it was because of our wrong definition, or at least me, I shouldn't say we, she's, she's like Jesus, but <clears throat> I had the wrong definition of success. Wow. And I thought success was, was launching with, you know, a, you know, a thousand people and, and fast, you know, quick results. And, and I, I learned something when I was at Gateway that success is simply hearing, believing and obeying God, period. That's it. Hearing, believing and obeying God. And, uh, and so as we wrestled through it and prayed about it and, 
thought through, you know, we're from Louisiana. I was born in Bogalusa. There's more cows and people in Bogalusa, Louisiana, okay? So going from Bogalusa to Baton Rouge to Dallas to in the middle of San Francisco uh, was scary. And, and so, but we, as we kept praying about it and wrestling with it, we just felt like, you know what? If the gospel can work anywhere, the gospel should work everywhere. And if, if the gospel works in Dallas, then it should work in San Francisco. And, and Paul said, my ambition was always to preach the gospel and to plant churches where they haven't been planted and where the gospel is needed. And so as we wrestled with it, we felt like God said, this is where I've called you. I want to do something there. Just step out in faith uh, and, and see what happens. And so we just began to pray and see God. And we said yes to the call. I moved to San Francisco. We planted right. Um, we moved in January of 2017. And uh, I don't suggest you doing this if you're parachuting into a, a city. Uh, we knew no one. Uh, my sister was the only person in the city that really that we knew. She, she lived there for a while. But we moved in January, and then we planted in September. Don't do that. If you're parachuting in, there's the first bit of advice if you're thinking about that. Get there a little bit longer. Learn the city um, before you do it. Um, and, but anyway, we moved in January. Uh, some of our, our team uh, moved with us. I think we had eight people that moved with us. Uh, eventually over the next few months and we immediately just started doing dinner parties what what we would call dinner parties just at our house inviting anyone that would come like literally people from the street anyone that you meet just like hey just come over to our house and we can like I don't like bible studies but I really love opening up our house and just throwing a party so we would just invite people to our house to come hang out and uh, and we just did that for a couple months acclimated to the city and then we started something called startup parties which are essentially interest meetings and we did these startup parties once a month and from that I remember I mean Josh Ferreira this guy right over here he's our number two guy associate pastor him and his wife uh, Gabby and I remember the first startup party we had about 30 people show up at this at this party and he, we looked at each other and we were like this just might work <laughs> and ever since then every Sunday he looks at me he's like this just might work you know <laughs> And uh, so anyway, we started that and we, we had four or five of those startup parties and continue to do dinner parties and try to do some fun stuff, hanging out with the team. And after we did that for a while, we grew the team uh, to 35, I think maybe 40 and then a few people quit. And you know, that is. And so uh, I think we were around 35 people whenever we launched and we launched September 17th with two, 276 people at our launch in San Francisco. And I'm telling you that number because that may not be, uh, it may not be a, a, a Dallas number or this or whatever, but that is, I think that's actually a really great number. And I want to tell you this because we had people tell us that, oh, ARC, literally, we had people tell us that, that that just only works in the South or only works. I'm telling you, we ran the play to, like, we every page of the playbook, we ran it because we wanted to be able to sit up here and look anybody in their face and say that the ARC playbook, it works. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're in America or you're in Europe. It doesn't matter. There's some nuances and some contextualization that needs to take place. However, the play works. Run the play. And so we did it, and we launched with 276 people. We're now six months old. Uh, we had a great Easter. God's doing some great things. And our, our, our dream team has grown to 70 or so people in six months. We've seen 78 salvations in six months, documented salvations. Yeah. And so God's doing some great things. And so here's, here's a few things I would say. I don't, I don't know what the time's at, but I'm going to pass this to my wife if she wants to say anything. But uh, three things I thought of. Number one is uh, this, was a, this was something that we resolved in our heart. When we went to San Francisco, we said, you know what? We want to approach our city with the posture of a student, not a savior. We're not here to save this city. We're not here to change this city. We couldn't do it anyway if we tried. But we are here as a student coming to learn the city and to, to study uh, what God has already been doing, 
what he is currently doing and come around people that, that have been serving. And so we, we've approached it as we're not an expert. We're, we're students. We're here leaning in and we're learning. Uh, practically, what that looked like was not putting my, my, uh, my AirPods or whatever they're called, little earbuds in my ear and, and just sitting at a coffee shop, but actually taking them out and listening to the conversations around me. I love Pastor Dino. One of the things he says is, if you want to unlock your city, the heart of your city, he said, you, it's, it's got to be this. It's got to be like the old school heist movies where you see the young guys with all their, their technology trying to figure out how to unlock a, a vault. And the old guy that's been in the game for a long time pushes them to the side, moves all the technology to the side. And what does he do? He leans his ear up next to the vault and he listens. And that's how he unlocks it. And, and I'm telling you that because I think that's what we've got to do as we approach our cities. You have to lean in and listen to the heart of your city so you can unlock it. And that's what we, we approach our city, and we're still doing that. We're still learning. Uh, and I think you have to keep that posture. It's a posture of humility saying we're just here to learn. We're here to see what God's already been doing, come alongside what God's already doing, and us just contribute our little piece to, to what he's doing here. So approach it as a student, not a savior. Second one is this, is you got to view the guy down the street, like the churches down the street. you got to view them as partners, not competitors. Um, I'd tell you this, that we started building relationships with the pastors in the city and in the Bay Area two to three years before we ever parachuted in there. And some of the largest checks that our church received, hello, uh, to plant our church was from some of the local pastors there. And uh, it's been unbelievable. Some of our closest friends have become the local pastors that, that are there. As a matter of fact, some of some of Liberty Liberty SF, uh, the church that these guys Liberty have planted there, Chad and Emily Rodriguez, are some of our dear friends. We're 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 partners. We're not competitors. And so I would encourage every single one of you that you need to you need to make sure that you're you're building as much community and relationship with those local pastors because the city is going to be better if you do if you do that right. We're better together. And then uh, the third one is this is. Uh, Write this down. I stole this from someone. <laughs> Pretty much everything that I say I've stolen from someone, or my wife wrote, wrote it for me, wrote it and said, just say that. Um, <laughs> but if you plan your work and you work your plan, your plan will work if it's a good plan. Okay. Right? If you plan your work and you work your plan, your plan will work if it's a good plan. Yeah. Listen, ARC's plan is a good plan. I think it's the best plan. And if you're here and you're kind of deliberate, you know, you're kind of vacillating back and forth. Am I going with ARC? Am I doing this, that, whatever? I'm just telling you, it works. It worked in San Francisco. It works in Mississippi. It works in New York. It works in Africa. It works everywhere because it's a good plan. I believe it's God's plan. Hello, Drake, where you at? Um, <laughs> for all the younger folks in here. But I, I think it's God's plan. Right now, God's using it. It's just one plan, but I think it's a really good one. I think it's the best one that's out there. And I would encourage you uh, to lean into what God's doing. Anything you want to say, babe? I'll add one thing. Um, just in the contextualization side of how do you learn your city, and one of the things is what he said. It's like you take your earbuds out when you're at the coffee shop, and you just you look, you know, look around you, discover where people are hanging out, where are they meeting, what time are they meeting. So when we had what they would call our interest meetings, we called them startup parties because we're in a – um, an environment where startup is the thing. We're in a technology environment, so startups are all the time. So startup was the better vernacular to use in an interest meeting. Um, and we also we had it in an area where everyone's getting off of work and they're passing by and they're like, what's going on? Oh, come in, free food, you know. And it was about building relationship. And 
um, going to the parks and seeing well, what time are people going to the parks or what rec can I get involved with, what baseball team, what PTA, you know, and just really throwing yourself out there. You don't have to wait till you launch your church to do that. You can do that when you get into that city because when you get into that city, that's your home. That's your new place. That's where you're living. And um, the best way I feel like to launch is to completely submerge yourself into that environment and into your home um, and into your city and you'll you'll discover through relationships and through um, you know putting yourself out there in those environments what what the heartbeat of the city is and what people are walking through and it'll give you a heart for your city too you know you have a heart for your city before you ever move there and then when you start hearing the stories of people that live in the city and what they're walking through it just grows deeper so gosh you're amazing (laughs) Well, I, I just want to take a second and just highlight something and just honor these couples. You know, I don't know which distance is greater, their distance from Australia to New York City or California to Laurel, Mississippi, or Baton Rouge, Louisiana to San Francisco. When you think about not only the miles, but the culture and, and what they gave up to go and make a difference in these areas and these hard grounds that really really need the gospel and you know i just want to honor you guys and just thank you you're my heroes what you've done is so amazing you're at the tip of the spear of the great commission and it's just really really amazing i think for all of us here in this room i think it kind of highlights something in each of our hearts if you're in in this room this afternoon and you have a dream to plant a church and you think god can't use you or or you don't have the talent or the ability as one of these people i'm here to tell you we need you to step up to the plate god wants you to answer that call that he's put into your heart and don't let the enemy come in and discourage you because you're not like someone else. We need you to make the same jump they did. And I want you to step out there and do it. Come on now, all right? And so I, I just want to encourage you. Look, these guys made a huge jump. It wasn't easy for them to do this. And I promise you, uh, if you're going to do something great for God, you'll have to make the same jump. So just because the jump's there doesn't mean it's not for, for you. It just means you need God's help to get to the other side. Amen. And so before we turn to Q&A, I just want to throw it back at you guys uh, and say anything else you want to add. Uh, two things came to mind as these guys were sharing. One was I didn't share how our launch was numerically, just for what it's worth. So for us launching strong in New York, we had 150 at our launch, and we were over the moon with that. And we settled in as a church to about 110 people, and we were sustainable, which in the context of New York, I mean, for instance, just for way of reference, so we have a Suburban, and that costs $450 a month for the parking space, right? Mm. So everything's expensive, and San Francisco is no different. So major cities can be expensive places, and yet we felt we felt like we cracked a code to be able to launch strong, sustainably in a city environment. And as a church of 110 people, we planted a second one in our first year, and it was sustainable as well. So it's just, it's, it, you know, when you run the play, there is, you might be amazed at what God can do and what, what launching strong can look like. The second thing that came to mind was um, when we think about launching strong, Can I encourage you, oftentimes when we're thinking about launching strong, we're thinking about the church, but think about you as well. Like, are you strong? In launching strong, like, don't skip over, like, how... How's your marriage? How's your finances? How's your soul? Like, how are you, how are you? Is like Instagram tearing you up with comparison? And like, let's be real. Like, like if you're gonna launch a strong church, like you, you gotta you gotta be strong. You know what I mean? Not perfect. We're all on a journey, right? We get that. But like, you gotta be in a good place, leading from a good place. Because there's, if I had a dollar for every church planner I met who's like orphan spirit, trying to prove something to the senior pastor that didn't believe in them, or you know, and I, and I get. Look, I get. 
I get that. There's a lot of stuff there. And sometimes that, you know, God will allow, all, you know, certain things to happen that'll prod you out of the nest. And, but I'm just saying, let's not be reactionary. Let's not be insecure. Let's not be like, you know what I mean? That whole thing. And, uh, just like as much as we're focusing on, because the church can be as strong as you guys. Like we're, we, we can ultimately be the lid for regardless of like what launch Sunday turnout is and how much money we raise. If we're not doing well, it's only a matter of time, right? right. Before the church isn't doing well. So that's just a thought. It's great. It's great. <laughs> um, I guess I would just say, whoops, sorry, turned it off. I would just say this. It, if you have any unfinished business at your last church, make sure you can clean that up. Uh, and I think that's really, really important. And, yeah. and my pastor blessed me. Um, you know, we, we, I'd been his associate pastor for 13 years. And I mean, like you, you serve so long. And so launching out was a really hard thing for both of us because we knew each other so well, loved each other. But like all of a sudden I had vision and, and didn't know where that was. And so here we are, two, one house, two visions, doesn't really work. And so it was clear God was calling me away. And so I went to him and I said, well, I really feel like it's time for me to leave. And uh, he came back two weeks later. We were in the middle of building campaign. I was over the campaign. We were raising money to finish our, our campus there. And he came and he said, no, you're not going to leave. I'm going to send you. And we were doing a huge offering for this other building. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. He said, we're going to still take the huge offering. I'm going to give half of it to you to go and plant the church. And so I'm telling you, and by the way, he's white. And so I, I <laughs> and I said that because because I, I feel like in the climate of where we are today, I need to say those kinds of things because the church doesn't act like we 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 don't act like we love each other no more. So I figure we're buying this mess. So I, I just reached it like we have real brotherhood. It really does. And so it really did. And so but that happened because I honored him and I made a commitment. I'd never split the church and I made sure I left right. And to this day, we're still good friends. He still calls me about staff decisions. He still calls me to go to other countries where I'm like, I don't want to go. I want to go. But I still, he's still my friend. He's one of my overseers. And, uh, but I encourage you, clean that up because if you don't, you'll attract that to your new church as well. So That's great. That's so good. Um, yeah, I just, I, I thought about um, just our own journey. Um, in 2012, I thought, okay, we're, I'm 36 now, so I, I don't know how old I was then, four years ago. Yeah. So at that moment, I thought we were going to plant a church in 2012, but God was like, wait, just keep waiting. It's like, okay, but I don't like doing what I'm doing anymore, God. It's like, just keep waiting, keep waiting. And then he transitioned us uh, to Gateway Church, and it was a great season while we were there. We learned a lot. Um, I felt like at Healing Place, we learned how, I learned how to be a son and how to be a servant, but at Gateway, I learned how to be a shepherd, and it was a great season. But in that season, every I was only supposed to be there for two years, which turned into four years, and uh, while I was there, I was like, God, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And there came a moment where I felt like, God, you're, you're holding me back, right? <laughs> and this guy, a dear friend of mine, Tim Ross, gave me this like prophetic word, just like Holy Spirit backhand. Uh, he said, you know what? And he showed me a, a, a slingshot. He said, a lot of times when we, what we think is God holding us back is actually God pulling us back to set a new trajectory so we can go farther faster. And he's like, Jason, God's not holding you back. He's pulling you back, right? And so I thought about that just now when, when you were talking because I think – for some of you, you need to just have the faith and you need to make the jump. You know God's called you to plant. Suck it up and just go do what God's called you to do. Some of you, it's going to be hard. It's harder than what you think, more warm than you think, but just go do it. Just, just If you're 70%, Dino says you're good. <laughs> it's like, if you're 70% that you're supposed to plant church, you're good. Faith is the other 30%, right? <clears throat> 
but some of you, you just need to take a step of faith and you need to, you need to go. Don't leave. Go, don't step away from something. Step towards something in faith, right? But for some of you, it, 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 in this season, I felt like just in the Holy Spirit just a moment ago, is like for some of you, you need the faith to stay and to stay put and to keep waiting because it's in the waiting, W-A-I-T, God provides W-E-I, I can't spell, G-H-T, wait, wait. And what do you need when you plant a church? When you set your foot down, your ministry footprint in that city, you want to make the biggest imprint that you can, and it takes weight to do that. And sometimes you got to wait to get weight. And right now, I think some of you may, you may it may be faith to just step out and go, and for others, uh, God may be say, saying, hey, you need to wait. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe there, there's more work he needs to do in you, uh, but maybe there's there's some some relationships that need to be mended and things like that. And so whatever it is, the point I'm trying to make is you've got to be in tune with what God's speaking and saying right now, because uh, he he's going before you. He's with you. It's going to be amazing. The church is going to be more beautiful than what you can imagine. It's like you're some of you, you're pregnant with this this baby that's going to be delivered. Romans eight in the message says the longer you wait, the larger you become. Listen, that thing's going to be so beautiful. And when Whenever that baby's birth, you're going to look into your church's face and you're just going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful, right? And there's great things on the inside of the people that are in here. I just believe that and sense it. So, Man, very good. Those are pearls right there. Very awesome. All right, so we got a couple minutes. See if we can get one or two questions in here. Does anyone have any questions that they want to throw to our panel? Just raise your hand and let you, let you go for the it. The quality of our answers will be determined by the quality of your questions. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure, guys. I'm just going to repeat it for the podcast. So how did you build your launch team once you were in that phase and uh, increase the quality level of relationship? Yeah, I mean, we essentially – now I have accountability here because some of my teams here, like if I say anything that's wrong, like they're going to be like, you're lying, okay? No, but, <laughs> but honestly, we immediately we started – I think – well, not immediately. Two, we took two months because we parachuted in. We took the first two months to acclimate as a family to make sure we were strong, make sure we were good. Uh, and then we, we started our dinner parties and dinner party was weekly every Thursday. We just invited people to our house. We didn't talk church. We didn't talk vision. We didn't talk culture. We talked food and we talked life and we just built relationships. And we did that for a long period of time, really up until almost till launch, we did our dinner parties. But once we started our, once we started, um, our, um, our interest meeting or startup party, which was monthly, as that team began to grow, we would just point them to come back, you know, come to our dinner party. And we kept building the relationships, but it wasn't until we got eight weeks out from launch. Um, at eight weeks from launch, we began to meet with that team as, now we had a little core team we were meeting with, uh, but, but our launch team did not start gathering and talking vision and strategy and culture and all that stuff till we were eight weeks out. And we essentially went through our growth track with that team. And we, we just unpacked the whole thing. And it was kind of awkward. It was in our living room. And, you know, it's like you're, you're just working through this thing like you're, you're on a weekend. But, you know, we just ran through it. And we talked about it because the more we found that we, talk, we tell the story, the more they know the story and they'll tell the story. But we did that eight weeks out. So we did that for four weeks. Then we did, I don't know if this is normal, but uh, we, we actually rented our venue for three weeks. Is that right, Josh? Three weeks before we launched. Uh, to practice because for us, we had all these people that had never seen church like this. Never. I mean, I remember when the three trailers rolled up, 
they were like looking at these trailers like, what have we got ourselves into? And like 80 cases come rolling out. They're like, oh my gosh. I mean, it was crazy. So we, we actually rented our ven- venue for three weeks and we, pra- we did practice services for three weeks. The first one was not a practice service. It was like, I don't know what that was. It was terrible, but it took us like nine hours to do setup. I mean, it was so bad, but we, but, but we did that. And so then what I would say, if I could go back, if I'm being candid with you, if I could go back, I would have spent more time, maybe a little bit earlier, saying, hey, here's who we are. And I would have made no assumptions that anyone gets culture. Like, they don't get it. Even the people you think gets it, they don't get it. So you have to be so intentional. And, like, you define your culture. You deliver your culture. You defend your culture. You define your culture. And if I would have... If I would have done that a little bit earlier, I think we maybe even could have been a little bit stronger as a team. But I would say work on the culture and uh, work on the relationships. And, yeah, that's it. If I could throw a really quick thought, uh, genuinely quick. So uh, somebody said to me early in our church planning journey, they said, just remember, whatever um, whatever you build your church on, you'll have to sustain it on. And so what are we gonna what are we gonna build on? I mean, it's not to say we shouldn't do all these different things, but if we're gonna build, if our if we put our if our thing is it's marketing, then we might find that forever in a day, like we're gonna be trying to out Google whatever the competition is in our mind, right? If we're gonna build it on guest speakers or like I say, I think we need to be thoughtful about what we're trying to build and what Jason's speaking to there around the power of like creating this sense of community and family. I think like work out early on, like what do we want our church to be about? I'm not, I mean, that's not a judgment, you know, on any, on any of the different ways that people go. I mean, I know people that build through events, people, but it's like, just remember, like whatever we do, we got to be willing that that's, that's going to be a part of the engine of what attracts people to our church and what builds our church in the long run. So let's start on the right foot. What kind of church do we want to be? Who do we want to be for the city? What's our culture? And let's do that. And let's keep at the flywheel until it produces. Very good. Well, uh, we'll we'll catch some questions afterwards, one-on-one. I'll give you three things as we're wrapping up. Number one, can we just honor our panel for speaking to us today and being with us? Second thing, if you want uh, more information about planning a church with ARC, just really encourage you to stop by the ARC booth. We'd love to answer more questions there, or some of our staff is in the back. They can they can answer your questions with the name bag. Love to answer that for you. Or go to our website, arcchurches.com. Click the button that says Start a Church, okay? That'll help you out there. And then thirdly, we have a gift for you guys. You picked the right session. Not every session's giving out gifts. We're giving out a great book by Michael Fletcher. He's pastor of Mana Church. Amazing, amazing culture, leadership, church. Uh, so he's giving his book away to you guys for free just for being at the art conference okay so you can grab that on your way out other than that okay the, the some of the panel is going to stick around and answer some questions too if you want to come up here but other than that you guys are dismissed see you later see you tonight